Welcome to this week's sermon from Heights Worship Center. We believe God has something for you today. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. The new season. How many guys are feeling that? We're in a new season, right? The old is gone. The new is calm. The old was good, but God is doing something new. Tell your neighbor, he's doing it new. And so new things require new strategies, require new approaches. And so God is preparing to create the necessary foundation for the new things that are coming. And we've been talking about the scripture about how we are to build the temple. And the temple is not just the physical building, but in the New Testament, the temple is made up of you and me. Tell your neighbor, you're a stone. You're hard-headed. No, no, that's not what it means. First Peter says, we are living stones being built together <laughs> to create the temple of God. But what it is, is not just about being in the same place. The temple of God is about the habitation, the presence of God. We don't want just church for the sake of church. Amen. Right. I, I don't want to just come to check it off my weekly to-do list. I want to experience the power of God. I want his presence to invade our services where we just don't know from week to week what he's got going on until we step into this place. And I don't know about you, but that makes me not want to miss out because God's doing something amazing. So today I want to talk about cultivating intimacy because that is so vital for the days that we're living in. And the soak night is part of what we're going to learn how to cultivate intimacy with Jesus Last week, I read this scripture in John 17, and we're going to pick up. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed for those who would believe in him. That's you and me. All right? Jesus, when he was on earth, he prayed for you and me. Isn't that amazing? 2,000 years ago, Jesus prayed for you. The Bible says he's still up in heaven praying for you now. Amen? Aren't you so glad for that? So here's what he prayed for you and me. He says, I pray that they would all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And they may be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they would be, everybody say one, one, as you, as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, we thank you that you desire your church, your children, to know the same love, the same intimacy, the same oneness that you, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit live in. You want us to know the same glory, the same love the same unity, and the same intimacy. And I pray that as we get into the word today, Holy Spirit, open our eyes. Give us understanding so that we would grow in our knowledge of you and we would become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So here in John 17, I told you last week, but if you don't have that underlined, I would encourage you to underline that verse in verse 23 where he says that you love them, that they would know that you sent me And that you love them as much as you love me. God the Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. That blows my mind. Because when I compare myself to Jesus, I fall short. Like it it seems really 
logical to be able to believe that God the Father loves Jesus perfectly. But a lot of us struggle in believing that that same love God the Father has for his son Jesus is the same love that you and I enjoy. It's the same love. Tell your neighbor, same love. It's the same love. And God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit known as the Trinity, they live together in perfect fellowship. They live in oneness. They live in intimacy. They live in unity. And Jesus prayed that we would experience that same closeness, fellowship, intimacy, oneness, not just with God, but with each other. And the key to doing so is the truth that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. You and I have to believe that we are completely, fully loved by God. It's his love that comes into us that enables us to love him back. We love him because he first, everybody say first, he first loved me. So we can only love God because he first loved me. And it's his love that begins to fill my heart that enables me to love others who are not like me, who might annoy me, who might be difficult. Amen? Amen. It's his love. So we need the love of God to love him back more and more and to love others more and more. So I want to stay in the same context of the last bit of what Jesus shared before he died on the cross. So a couple chapters earlier, John 15, you can just flip your page over. John 15, I'm not going to read the whole parable of the vine and the branches, but I want to pick up in verse 5 through 10. Jesus said this in verse 5 through 10. He says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Read this. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is saying, in order for you to produce good fruit, which what? That's the lifestyle of a disciple, a follower of Jesus. In order for you to do the good works you're called to do, you have to stay in connection with me. Because if you have any separation, any distraction, anything that even severs a little bit of your relationship with God, you will suffer for it. Because apart from him, you can do nothing. Verse 6, anyone who does not remain in me, is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. So here he's giving us very clear language that if we are not bound to Christ, connected to Christ, then we have no life. We will dry up and wither. Now I was thinking about what this looks like in the natural. How many of you guys like to receive flowers as a gift? Some of you are shaking your head no, but yes, some of us, we like to have flowers, okay. Now, flowers look really pretty for a day, maybe two days. If you take care of them appropriately, they might last a little longer, but they look really good. They've been cut from the vine. They don't have a life source anymore, and now they're sitting pretty in a vase. And even with some water, even with a little sugar slash plant fluid that you get from the florist that you put in there, what happens? The death process has begun. You may not notice it the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, but something starts happening by like the fifth day. They start to look a little. And if you don't remove them, they start to smell. And what do you do? You throw them out. 
Do you know that that's the thing about us as Christians? We don't always notice at first when we're disconnected from God. We still feel good. I went to church. I came to church on Sunday. I got me some God. And then we feel good. And we go through the week. And Monday we're okay. Maybe Tuesday we're okay. But by Wednesday we're, by Thursday, because I haven't had my own quiet time. I'm still living off of Sunday. And so if I'm living off by Thursday, by Friday, and then Sunday morning, I don't want to go. But I got to, because I got to get some more God. So I feel good again. And then the process is the same. Monday, I feel pretty good. Tuesday, not so. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. See, the challenge is if we don't protect our intimacy with Jesus, if we don't protect our closeness and spend time with him, cultivate relationship, spend time in the presence of God, that's what our spiritual life looks like, like a roller coaster. When we make it to church on time, we feel good. Yeah. We get a sermon or a podcast. Yeah. But if that's all we get, then little by little, you're not going to notice that first. You're going to feel pretty good. I'm pretty good. I, can't, I feel good. But a couple of days without Jesus, and you start to wither. You start to dry up. That's why it's so important that you learn to cultivate intimacy with Jesus. Because if you will remain in him, he remains in you. That means his life, his power, his strength, his peace, his joy. Oh, come on. Come on. His healing. What he can do is in you. But I can't tap into him if I ain't strengthening and staying connected to him. That's why he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm struggling in this battle, but I'm doing it on my own. Why do I feel like I'm feeling? Because you're not going to Jesus. You're not staying connected. I'm telling you today, if you are in a battle, if you are in the furnace, if you're in the lion's den, if you find yourself in a storm, the answer is Jesus. He is with you in every situation that you face. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He is with you and he is for you. But you're not going to know it unless you spend time with him. So your answer in your battle, Jesus. Your answer in the fire, Jesus. Your answer in the lion's den? You're getting this side's getting in. What about over here? Your answer in the storm? Jesus. Yeah. So Jesus is telling us in John 15, if you want to experience my life, you got to stay connected to me. Tell your neighbor, stay connected. Let's pick up in verse 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you. Now he's breaking it down. The first one is his life, his presence. Now he's saying remain in me. My words will remain in you. You may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. His word is another way you and I stay connected to Jesus. His presence is the first one. His word is the second one. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. In other words, he wants to see change in you. Change in your thoughts, change in your attitude, change in your actions. But it's not by you trying to change yourself. Tell your neighbor, can't do that. The only way you can change from the inside out is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's through his word that changes the way I think, which transforms my life. I can't just try to be a better Christian. If I try to be better, do better, I'm going to fail and get disappointed. The secret to becoming like Jesus is spending time with Jesus. That's what it is. That's the big secret. 
You want more of God's power in your life? Spend time with Jesus. You need more wisdom? Spend time with Jesus. You need more strength? Spend time with Jesus. You don't need more money. You need more Jesus. You don't need a better job. You need Jesus. You don't need a different spouse. You need to love your spouse like Jesus, which means you need a lot of Jesus. See, we, we go to these self-help books, and we go to these pep-up talks, and we try to do these things the world teaches, but they fall short because apart from Christ, you can do nothing. Their strategies might seem effective and make a lot of sense, but the only real change comes from the power of Jesus in you, which is why he says, remain in me, live in me, fellowship with me, stay connected to me, because when you do, then I am in you. My life, my presence, and my words are in you. So one of the ways you stay connected to Jesus is through the word. Now let's go on, verse 9. This is another one that you should underline if you haven't already. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. In other words, live in my love. Live constantly in my love. Learn to drink of my love. Learn to live in my love. We're told in Colossians, let your roots grow deep into the love of God. We're told in Ephesians that we are to know the love, the wide, how deep and wide and high and long is the love of the Father. We're told in Romans that no matter what we go through, nothing can separate us from the love of the Father. It's so important that you and I live in love with Jesus. That means I am reminding myself I'm loved, I'm chosen, he's with me, he's for me, I'm not alone. This is impossible for me, but not for my God because he loves me, he's for me, I'm his child, he's got me. That's how you live in love. When the enemy comes and says, I don't know how you're going to get through this, you say, I don't either, but my father loves me. And because he loves me, he's going to see me through this thing. You better fight the lies with the truth that you are loved by God and remain in his love. Don't let the enemy separate you from the love. And he'll do that when you mess up. Mm, child, you just messed up. That's it. Jesus don't love you so much. Oh, man, I messed up again. <sighs> Jesus doesn't love me as much anymore. I'm not making fun of it. This is for real. I'm trying to illustrate what you and I have to fight through. And you have to say, no, my father loves me no matter what I do. I need to live in his love. I need to remain in his love. I need to hold on to the truth that I am in him. He is in me. His presence, his words, and his love. This is how you cultivate intimacy with Jesus. You live in relationship. You spend time with him in worship. Put your phones down. I love you, boys. Now, this is what we do. Look, you've got to learn how to cultivate intimacy. If you will learn this, it will change your life. You have to want God more than you want anything else, which means you've got to spend time with him. And it's not just the boys. I see some of y'all men on your phone. And why do I say this? Why can't we give God two hours of our time on Sunday? If you can't just focus on God for two hours, you have to learn how to discipline yourself that no football game, no social media, no nothing keeps you from Jesus. I love you, so I say it like it is. There is no video game that can fill you up like the presence of Jesus Christ. 
And I'm not just saying that for, for the boys, even though they were on their phones up here. But I, I, see, I see old boys on their phones. And it doesn't offend me, whatever. But you're taking from yourself. God has something he wants to do and say, we have got to discipline ourselves to spend time with Jesus. And if we don't spend time, if you can't do it for two hours on Sunday morning, I don't know what the rest of your week looks like. This is where you learn. This is where you get growing. This is where you mature. This is where you come in and you're reminded that, you know what? I got a problem. I need to fast my phone or fast my video games or fast my football. I got to fast something because it's getting in the way of me and Jesus. If you have anything that is disconnecting you from your love walk with Jesus, you need to get rid of it. You need to fast it. You need to cut it off. Because if you don't cut it off, it will cut you off. And you will lose the life and the presence of Jesus moving powerfully in your life. Do you understand? He says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain, live, stay connected in my love. Verse 10, when you obey my commands, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Why is this important? We don't obey for love, we obey from love. Gonna say that again. We don't obey God for love because he already loves us. But we obey from love. Because I know I'm loved, I can trust that God knows what's best for me. That he loves me, his plans for me are good, not for evil, to prosper me, not to harm me. He's going to work everything out for my good so I can trust whatever he's telling me. Therefore, I can obey him because I'm secure in his love for me. You don't obey for love, you obey from love. And how do you stay connected to the love of God? You obey because that keeps you close to him. If he says, my child, we're going this way. And you're like, eh, I think I'm going to head this way. You've just put some distance there. He didn't leave you. You disconnected from him. Obedience keeps you connected. Obedience keeps you connected. That's why it's important that you obey what God is telling you to do. So here's what I want you to learn. You must abide before you abound. Okay? Abide before you abound. Paul says that we are to abound in every good work. Well, John 15 just says, in order to abound, you must abide. Everybody say that. Abide before abound. You know what this means? You and I learn, need to learn how to be with Jesus before we do for Jesus. And can I tell you, that gets hard because a lot of us are doers. We want to do. We want to be busy. We want to stay active. And yet everything we do should come from our being with Jesus. If you want to abound in good works, if you want your life to change, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, then you must learn to sit with Jesus, to be with Jesus. Just be. Just sit with him. Right? I'm thinking of that scripture, be still and know that I am God. Can I be honest? In America, it is hard for us to be still. And with entertainment 24-7, just right there in our phones, it is hard for us to just quiet all the noise and be still and be with Jesus. You need to make a habit to be with Jesus every day. 
Now, I ain't talking about hours upon hours. If your life allows that, great. But most of us have jobs and kids and responsibilities. But what if you just took five minutes, ten minutes, and you just got quiet and you sat with Jesus? And you just drank in his presence. You learned how to feel his presence. It might not happen right away, but the more you show up, the more sensitive your heart will become. And the more you'll be able to tune in and be like, wow, I feel Jesus. He's right here with me. I will do this in the car. I won't put on the radio. I won't put on music. My driving time becomes my soaking time. And sometimes I'm like, ooh, I feel like he's sitting in, in the seat with me in my truck. I'm like, what's up, Jesus? When I walk, I feel like he's walking right with me, and I'll reach out and hold his hand and walk with him. Because if you cultivate a habit of developing intimacy with Jesus, you're going to feel him in a way you've never felt him before. You're going to know him in a way you've never known him before. He's going to show up because he wants to be with you more than you want to be with him. So I'm going to lay down some heavy stuff, y'all. Tell your neighbor, get ready. This was the easy stuff. <laughs> The last public sermon that Jesus preached is in Matthew 24 and 25, also in Luke 21. In Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus talks about the end times. If you see this, if you see this, if you see this, watch out, pay attention, because the end is coming near. Can I tell you, church, we are very close, if not already, living in the end times. What's happening in Israel What's happening with the lawlessness that is increasing, the love of many growing cold. There are a lot of things that Jesus talks about, that Timothy, Paul talks about in his letter to Timothy, that we are already seeing. Right? So that means you and I need to be on the watch. Tell your neighbor, you better watch out. And so Jesus says, here's what you're going to expect. This is what you're going to look for. And then he tells four parables to tell you and I who are believers what you and I should do so that we make it to the end. I don't know about you. I want to make it to the end. Okay? And why is this important? Because the Bible says, mark this, at the end times, 1 Timothy 3.1, it will be hard, difficult. The greater the end times, the greater the pressure, the greater the persecution. I'm telling you, church, we need to be ready. I'm trying to warn you up front and give you the tools you need so that when Jesus comes, you ain't left behind. Yeah. This is why this is so important. So the first one, he talks about the fig tree. The second one, he talks about the faithful and unfaithful servant. He talks about the ten virgins and the oil, and he talks about the parable of the talents. And all of these are teaching us principles of how he expects us to live in the end times so that you and I make it through the challenges. So I want to look at how Luke adds a little something extra on Matthew, so I'm just going to read first from Luke 21. So you can open your Bibles, Luke 21. Luke 21, verse 34 and 36. Here we go. I like how they do it in Good News Club. Big, big number, 21, little number, 34. He says this, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Next verse. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before 
the Son of Man. So Matthew just says, watch out, but Luke adds to it. He says, watch out, verse 34, look at it. Watch out, don't let your hearts be dulled. Dulled means less sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Dulled means distracted. Dulled means my love for Jesus is not as strong as it once was. Dulled means I'm getting a little lazy. Dulled means I'm just not paying attention and spending time with Jesus. Don't let your hearts get dulled. How? What dulls us? Carousing, parting, pleasure. This is about the seeking of pleasure. It's not necessarily parting, but what it could be one of those aspects. But what pleasure are we seeking to try to fill something in our life that only Jesus can fill? But instead of going to Jesus, I'm going after that pleasure instead of Jesus. And that pleasure is dulling my heart. It's making me less sensitive to the presence of Jesus. He talks about drunkenness. You know, it's interesting. I heard recently that the rate of drinking has never been higher in America than ever before. Why? Because we are looking for ways to deal with our loneliness. We are looking for ways to deal with stress. We are looking for ways to cope. But we got to be careful as Christians that alcohol never becomes our go-to, but Jesus is our only go-to. That's why Ephesians says, don't be filled with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is so important that we understand that. And then the last thing that can dull our hearts is what? The worries of this life. How many of you and I know that the worries of life can take us from Jesus. Because now i got to work harder at my job. And I'm working harder, but I'm not praying. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make my bills meet. So I'm getting a second job, a third job. And I'm not spending time with my family. I'm not spending time with Jesus. But I'm trying to make it work because i got worries. Do you see how it can steal from you? You have got to be careful that the weights of this world, relationship problems money problems, issues and cares of this life don't become so much that they take you from Jesus. Keep alert. Say, keep alert. Watch. Pray. This is part of what soaking is about. In order to be ready for when Jesus comes so that we're not left behind, you got to keep your heart focused on God. You got to keep your priority the presence of Jesus. You got to live in Him, abide in Him, remain in Him. You got to stay alert. Don't get sleeping. You got to stay alert and pray. And then in Matthew, go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 25. The parable of the ten bridesmaids or the ten virgins. So this is what Luke was talking about. And then the next thing Jesus talks about in Matthew 25, he says, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Pause. This is telling you what Jesus is coming back like and what he is looking for. Now, when Jesus comes back on the white horse with faithful and true tattooed on his leg and his sword, that's a little bit later. That's like a thousand years later. But when he first comes back, do you know what he's coming back as? A bridegroom. A man about to be married. He is coming in passionate love. He is looking for lovers. He is looking for a bride who is pure and spotless. He is looking for people who have set apart their love for him who are the bridesmaids, the virgins. Now, all ten of them were invited. What does this tell me? All ten are saved. You need to understand this parable. Jesus is coming back for his church, and it's going to be a love return. Think about it. Jesus has been up in heaven for 2,000 years. Is it ready, Father? 
Come on, I gave my life for her. I gave my life to wash her clean. Is this the time? Is this the time, Daddy? Come on, I'm ready to meet my bride. Could you imagine how he must be in heaven? He died to have a bride. He ain't up there going, oh, she's the best. You could keep her. He burns with passionate love for his bride. So when he comes back, he's coming for his bride. And this is so important to understand the last days we're living in. Satan is fighting for your first love. Satan is competing for your intimacy with Jesus. He doesn't care how. He doesn't care what. He just wants you dulled and distracted. He wants you insensitive. So here we go. Let's read it. So the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for ourselves and you. Go and shop. Buy some for yourself. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they heard. They were standing outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. Verse 13, so you too must keep watch because you do not know the hour of my return. All 10 saved, all 10 invited, all 10 waiting for the coming of Jesus, but only five were ready. What was the difference? Oil. Now, oil in scripture represents the Holy Spirit. Okay? Oil in scripture represents the power and the presence of Holy Spirit in your life. And so when the time came and the foolish ones realized, I don't have any oil, I'm not going to make it. They went to the other ones and said, give me some of yours. And they said, we can't give you any. You got to go get your own. Why? Because you can't live off of someone else's faith. You don't get to go to heaven because mama was saved or daddy was saved. You got to have your own oil. You don't, get to go to, you don't get to take the oil from your pastor. You don't get to take the oil from your spouse. You don't get to take the oil from anyone else. You got to have your own oil. Because when the time comes, you can't take someone else's oil. They worked for it. They spent for it. And I'm not talking about earning. I'm talking about spending time with Jesus. And if you don't have enough oil, when the time comes, you will be left out. I don't want any of you to be left out. I don't want any of you to be like, Jesus, hey, we're right here. And he's like, too late. I don't know you. What a thing for him to say. I don't know you. But Jesus, I went to church. I don't know you. But Jesus, I served in the kids' ministry. I don't know you. But Jesus, I gave some money. I don't know you. Buy oil. You need to have your own oil. And you don't know when Jesus is coming back. Even Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back, by the way. Only the Father knows. So however long it takes for Jesus to come, you and I need to have enough oil for the wait. And how do you have enough oil? you got to spend time 
with Jesus. You get more of the Holy Spirit, you get more oil. That means I gotta, I gotta cultivate intimacy with Jesus. How do you do that? Through the Holy Spirit. Do you know another name of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ? Say that, Spirit of Christ. So the more I spend time with the Holy Spirit, the more I cultivate that. And let me tell you, young people up here in the front, I started to learn how to cultivate intimacy with Jesus and the Holy Spirit when I was younger than you guys. It is available. It's not just for the older and the mature. It's for anyone. God said, I will pour out my spirit on my sons and my daughters. The old men will dream dreams and the youngest, you get to have visions. God speaks and reveals himself to you. You got to get your own oil. Tell your neighbor, get your own. <laughs> you can't live off of my oil. You can't live off of Pastor Jaron's oil. You can't live off of Sister Rose's oil. You got to get your own oil. And you get your own oil by spending time with Jesus. Carol or not, which is a book that I read recently where Holy Spirit gave me this strategy about soak nights. Because it was her church, it was her and her pastor. They are pastors of the Toronto church where the great blessing was poured out in the 90s. All right, And one of the things they learned during that great revival in Canada was that the presence of God learning how to soak. And so she was talking about it. And as I was reading it, the Holy Spirit said, this is what's next. Because God gave me a word when I knew it was about time for the transition and leadership to happen. And the Lord told me, you got to lead the people to worship. So I've been asking him, I'm like, we already worship God. What does that mean? Like we already, we have talented worship team. We have powerful worship services. What does that mean, God? What are you saying? I knew that it was more than that. And then I read this book and this is what she said. Jesus said this, I have many servants, but few lovers. I have many servants, but few lovers. Jesus wants lovers. So if Jesus is coming back as the bridegroom and you and I, are betrothed to him, right? That means that right now the church is in a period of courtship. We're engaged to Jesus. Did you understand that? Now, if you are engaged to Jesus, then you got to think about what it's like when you got new love. When people are engaged and in courtship about to get married, they cannot wait to spend time with somebody. Whoever that one is, hopefully one. <clears throat> They can't wait to spend time with their betrothed. They cannot wait to talk to them. They talk for hours and it's not enough. They hang out for a day and I can't wait to see you tomorrow. Come on, you know what love looks like. That's new young love, right? New love is like, come on, let's hang out together. Let's spend time together. We just got off the phone. It's okay, we're going to go get ice cream. And then after ice cream, we come home and we're going to get on the phone some more. Because that's love. Mature love. Listen, mature love will be intentional to keep that same connection strong no matter how many years have passed. See, a lot of that is the challenge of marriage. You had the new love. That's why you got married. Now the challenge is to keep that same love alive. And how do you do it? Not by working long hours, buying a big house and a fancy car and all the gadgets, gazmos plenty. How do you do it? You keep your connection with your spouse strong by spending time together, by sharing your hearts, right? By talking, by communing. If you don't do that, then your love in your marriage will grow cold. You'll become roommates, not lovers. Jesus don't want roommates. He wants lovers. That means you and I have to be intentional 
Because the same thing happens when we get saved. When we get saved, we got new love. We're like, wow, the Bible is awesome. And we start reading and we can't read it enough. And we want to be in church and we want to spend time with God. And then we grow up a little bit and then we're like, ah, I got other things to do. Mature love keeps your connection with Jesus strong. Keep your connection with Jesus strong. Jesus wants lovers, not just servants. So how do you get oil? I'm going I'm to give you the secret. How do you get oil? Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Verse 1 through 3. It says this. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come. Take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Read this out loud with me. Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Jesus said, you can work hard to try to find other ways to fill yourself, satisfy yourself, strengthen yourself. But if you go to anyone else but me, you're just wasting your time. And you're wasting your effort. You can come to me for free. How many like free? Hello? I was here on Friday doing some work, Tim and I and some of the others. And uh, the other church was hosting a thing and they were making smash burgers. And I was like, man, that sounds good. But I don't know what I'm going to do when I get home. I got to find food. I've been here all day. Blah, 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 blah. And then they came out and they said, anybody want a smash burger? And it was yummy. Free, yummy food. I'm telling you, I was like, thank you, Jesus. I didn't have to figure out what I was going to cook. I didn't have to figure out what I was going to do. You provided for me. I mean, who doesn't like free food? But I'm telling you, Tim had one too, so it wasn't just me. Me and Tim partook of the goodness of God called Smashburger. But what Jesus is saying, why spend money on what doesn't satisfy why labor why work so hard why stress yourself out pursuing things that really don't satisfy me if you want to be filled come to me and listen to me I mean picking up the phone is easier but it's not better getting distracted with hobbies is easier maybe short-term pleasure but it has no long-term gain video games will give you short-term pleasure but nothing long-term gain now let's look at verse 3 I lost it. Here we go. Come to me with ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. So how do you and I look because of what it says? Are you thirsty? Do you need wine or milk? It's free. How do you get it? Come to me and listen. How do you get what you need? Come to Jesus now, this is a challenge because some of us are good at coming to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I got this, this, this going on, and I need you to do this, this, this for me. And we come to Jesus, and we vent at him, and we vomit on him, and we tell him all our needs, and we're like, thank you, Jesus, bye. And he's like, I have an aunt. I would, he has something to say, but do we take time to be still to listen? Do we do all the talking in this relationship? I don't know if you've had a relationship like that where they do all the talking and you can't get a word in. You don't, they might feel close to you, but you don't feel close to them. And yet, many of us have not grown to a place of maturity in our walk with God that we don't do all the talking, that we let him talk to us. 
you got to let Jesus do some talking. He's trying. He's like, I got me. If you'll just come and listen, I've got what you're looking for, but you didn't even stop. You didn't even take a breath. You just prayed and ran. You got to let him speak. You've got to listen. Tell your neighbor, shh, listen. Listen to me and listen to Jesus right now, okay? So how do you get more oil? You come to Jesus and you listen. You've got to learn how to listen to Jesus. That constant daily connection of living in Christ, remaining in Christ, abiding in Christ will keep you full of the presence of him, his words, and his life. So you got to listen. Tell your neighbor again, listen. All right, Luke chapter 10. All right. Luke chapter 10. Luke 10, verse 38 through 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted. She was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Can you blame her? I don't know if Jesus RSVP'd. My guess is he did not. And we know that he had at least 12 disciples. But according to scripture, we know that more than 12 were usually with him because there were other women who took care of his needs and other people who wanted to follow him along. So could you imagine Martha? She's got her day all planned out because she's one of those kind of women. She already knows what her day's going to look like. And then, hello, Jesus is knocking on the door. Hey, I'm coming to hang out today. And here comes his posse of like 20 people. She's like, ah, oh, because in that day and age, hospitality was a very strong cultural value. So her responsibility was to take care of her guest. So she was doing what she had to do. Okay, so let's not get so cray-cray on Martha. Got to understand where she's coming from. That woman had things to take care of. All of a sudden, now look, they didn't microwave a dinner for 13, 20 people. You made food by hand back then, by the way. And if you didn't have enough chicken, guess what you were doing? Use your imagination. Or go to Peru, where I've seen it done. Right? So here she's like preparing her meal. And then she, I love this, because I, Martha, we can relate. Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister is just sitting here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. I love Martha. She goes and tells on her sister. Jesus. My little sister should be helping me because culturally she should have been helping her. Culturally, her responsibility as the woman was to take care of the guest of the house. So Martha felt very justified. We got things to do. We got a program. We got church. We got things to do. We got kids ministry. We got life and I. We got things to do. And then when Jesus shows up and disrupts our plans, we better be ready for a pivot. So she goes to Jesus and she says, it's unfair. I'm doing all the work. Mary's just sitting there. She's just sitting there. Look what Jesus said, verse 41. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, I love that. Can you hear the love in his voice? 
the tenderness. He wasn't like, Martha. Sometimes we read our own understanding into scripture because we don't understand the heart of God. So if you think God's annoyed at you, you're going to read it like he's annoyed. If you ever read what God and Jesus say and you're annoyed, it's because you think God's annoyed with you, by the way. So you need to change that. Okay? He's not annoyed at you. He loves you. Some of you need to hear that. God is not annoyed with you. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. Can I tell you, it's so easy in our day and age to get worried and upset over all the details. Because there's a lot going on. You might have one thing after another after another. I had someone text me this week and say, Pastor, it just feels like it's one thing after another. And I can't catch my breath. And I'm just, I'm sinking under all of it. Because life will do that to you. It'll knock you on one end and knock you on the other end and turn you around. And you're just like, what is going on? And then we start thinking what we got to do. And we start talking to everybody. And we start trying to plan and strategize. And in that moment, what you need to do is fall at the feet of Jesus. Which is against human nature, by the way. It's something you have to be intentional to remind yourself to do. She said, he said, you're worried and upset over all these details. Now I want all y'all to read verse 42. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. You should underline that, highlight it, exclamation point it. Only one thing. Only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken from her tell your neighbor one thing one thing what's the one thing sit at the feet of jesus and just be sit at the feet of jesus come on up Boone. mary sat there and she looked up at jesus she looked she listened she took him in she spent time with him in the midst of the busyness, in the midst of cultural expectations, in the midst of responsibilities, Jesus said she chose the better thing. And that one thing was to sit at the feet of Jesus and just be. A soak night is learning how to sit at the feet of Jesus and just be. To learn how to look at Jesus, to learn how to love Jesus and be loved by Jesus, to learn how to listen to whatever he wants to speak, to learn how to rest in his presence and not strive. Because what we learn in John 15 is this. If you abide, you will abound. You know, can I tell you this from experience? If I keep the main thing the main thing in my life. If I make sure I spend enough time with Jesus in prayer and in, in, uh, word and worship and fellowship with him. Then somehow he makes everything else fit in my schedule. It was true when I was nursing. It was true now as a pastor. If you will make Jesus your priority, he will help you. When I was in nursing school, there would be papers that should have taken me two days to write. But if I kept Jesus the right thing, I got it done in a day. He will take tasks that should take this amount of time. And he'll give you the ability to do it in this amount of time. Because he's God over time. And he will honor your time with him. You need more time in your life? Who needs more time? If you need more time, the secret is spend more time with Jesus. Some are like, I don't want to raise my hand because I know where this is going. <laughs> There's not enough hours in the day. Then you need to spend more time with Jesus. Because from that place of learning how to be still and receive and rest, 
then you're going to get everything you need to accomplish everything he's called you to do. 1 Corinthians tells us, in, uh, I believe it's in 12.9, that he will make all grace abound so that at all times and all ways you have all that you need to do all he's called you to do. I like that because there's a lot of all in that verse. He'll give you all the grace. Everybody say all. He'll give you all grace so that you have all you need at all times to do all that he's called you to do. But you need to learn how to drink from his grace. You need to learn how to come to Jesus. Go ahead and start playing, Boone. So why soak nights? Why are we doing this this Saturday? It's Thanksgiving weekend. It's Black Friday shopping. It is a weekend of cray-cray. This is the beginning of the hustle of the season, is it not? I don't know about you, but I already feel busy. And when I looked at the calendar, we had light the night. We had things happening. The only weekend available was this one. And I remember saying, God, really? Thanksgiving weekend of all weekends? Why this weekend? There has to be a better, more convenient time for this soak night, Jesus. You know, I'm just being honest with you. I'm just telling you how I felt. Like, really? A soak night on Thanksgiving? You know how many people probably won't come because it's Thanksgiving weekend? And that, the Lord was like, that's where I want it. As I was preparing this week, the Lord said, because this is a test for you and I. To start off the crazy holiday season by spending time with Jesus. Shopping can wait. If you got family, they can give you up for an hour or two or bring them along. In this church, I want to create a culture that values rest and connection with Jesus above productivity. I'm going to say that again because this is really important. I am, I'm trying to create a culture here of where our connection to Jesus, the presence of God, is more important than anything else. It's more important than programs and personalities. It's more important than just growing for the sake of growing. I want us to learn how to be with Jesus. I want us to learn how to cultivate a culture that values rest and connectivity over activity and busyness and working for the sake of working. Because I know as a church that if you and I will learn how to cultivate intimacy, we will abound in good fruit and in good works. But you know what? We'll be a church who is joyful and abounding and not miserable. You know what I mean? I've had seasons where I've been busy for Jesus and a little grumpy about it. I'm not going to lie. You know what the problem was? I wasn't spending as much time with Jesus. I got too busy and I needed to reconnect. I don't remember which great man of God said this quote, but he said, the busier I get, the more I need to pray. I think it's Tozer, but I'm not 100% sure. We need to abide before we abound. We need to learn to be before we do. And everything that we do as a church, kids ministry, good news club, outreaches, light the night, mission trips, tech team, worship team, greeting, hospitality, opening, everything that this church does and what we're going to do in the future, I want it to flow from a place of being with Jesus. That's what I'm asking. If you're going to come here on a Sunday morning and you're going to serve in a capacity, I want to ask you to do me a favor, to get up 30 minutes earlier and just be with Jesus before you come. And I know that's a sacrifice, but it'll be worth it. I'm so grateful because a group of people will come with me early and we pray before church. And you know what? As soon as we started doing that together, we've been seeing the manifestation of God in greater ways in this place. I'm just asking if you will make a commitment with me to be with Jesus. Jesus prayed that we would experience the same intimacy that him and his father share. 
the same unity, the same oneness, so that we would know his glory. I want to know the glory of God. Moses said, show me your glory. We need to learn to live from a place of rest, listening to whatever he says, investing our time and attention to being with Jesus until he comes and meets us. So what's going to happen at soak night? I don't know. And that's scary for me as a pastor, to be honest. We're going to come. We're going to have a couple of instruments. We're not going to use the system. We're not live streaming it. You can come and pull up a chair. You can lay on the ground, bring a pillow, bring a blanket. I want you to come and rest in his presence. If you fall asleep, it's okay. It's probably what you needed. If you're visual, bring a sketch pad. Bring a journal. Please bring your Bible. I've already talked to the others who are going to help me. In, in facilitating worship, but we're just coming not with a list of songs. We actually only have maybe two or three in mind, and then we're going to let the Holy Spirit just be and do. We're going to come and invest our time and attention. We'll have our supplies set up so the kids can draw, paint, color, because that's actually a really good way for them to connect with Jesus and to express their worship and prayer. And we're just going to come and we're going to wait until He shows up. We're just going to wait till he comes and speaks and, and we listen. And I don't know if he'll come and speak at a corporate level or maybe he's just going to come and speak individually to each one of you. But I want you to come on Saturday. Because this is how you're going to learn to take what we're teaching you and do it at home. In the car, in the shower, in the morning before your kids get up. Or if you're a night person after they go to bed. How long is it going to go? I don't know. Till Jesus shows up. I just want you. I've asked Boone to sing this song. We're going to practice. I want you just to close your eyes in this moment. I want you to become very still before the presence of the Lord. I want you to say, Jesus, here I am. Speak to me. Your servant is listening. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit us in person or online at hwcim.org.